Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Really dumb. Good evening to both of you, Shayla and Gers. Hello. Good evening, Tom. Hello. Good evening. Hello. You were on our anniversary special, a gargantuan four-hour into, I dread to think what time it was. <laughs> yes. You're from Barcelona, aren't you, uh, Gers? Yeah, I'm, I currently uh, work and uh, live in Barcelona. That's right. Yeah. In the sun. It's still 21 degrees here, so... Oh, wow. Okay, right. That's, no, the weather's gone, gone downhill here now. It's well and truly <laughs> autumn. So you're originally from uh, Holland, though, the Netherlands. Yeah, I'm from uh, originally from the Netherlands, and I, I always talk to my colleagues from JamesBond.nl. When I do these kind of things, I always want to say, "Hey, uh, I'm from JamesBond.nl as well." And um, they are, uh, yeah, they introduce me a bit to the fandom uh, at large, and uh, that was around 2017. And I started writing articles uh, for um, uh, for JamesBond.nl. And before that, uh, obviously, I have been much longer a James Bond fan. It's not uh, it didn't start in 2017, much earlier. <laughs> so, so how, what was the first Bond you watched? Can you remember? Oh, absolutely! Uh, on television, the first Bond I watched was uh, "You Only Live Twice." Uh, and I think what was vivid in my imagination is when I saw this uh, James Bond falling down the the floor uh, when oh, he was so. pursuing uh, Aki, and I saw this this chrome uh, colored slide, and I thought, oh my god, I want to have this in my backyard, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That, uh, and that was already in 1990. I. Think. And the year before, it was my first Bond experience in cinema, but I think I was a bit too young still for that. But uh, uh, that was License to Kill. So. Oh, <laughs> we, we quite like that one, don't we, Shayla? Yeah, Big but for, for, I had a bit of a traumatic uh, 
experience when I saw uh, Milton Crest uh, head explode. Head, uh, explode. <laughs> if you are, uh, even my, my dad did not expect it to be like that. You know, they thought, oh, Bond, Bond film. He's now uh, eight years old. He can do it, but. It was a bit. Uh... <laughs> is that the goriest thing that's ever happened in a Bond film? His head blowing up. Yeah, I think it, it might be. So that yeah, I can well. I can understand why you were scared. Well, and not only that, you can actually see uh, Felix Leiter's uh, leg chopped off. You see the bone yeah. coming out. It's like <laughs> if you these kind of things you don't forget. <laughs> They weren't on our TV version, those. They cut those. I mean, we, I think we'd seen the, the head exploding because it was just so famous. But the Felix, it was only when we saw the Blu-ray versions recently that it showed his sort of whole leg disattached <laughs> or whatever you call it. it I, think, uh, I, I think I uh, think I saw some movies on the BBC and I think the BBC was always a bit more uh, censoring these kind of things, you know. But in the Netherlands, they, they don't censor anything. They just show everything, <laughs> you know. Oh, dear me. So how popular is James Bond in uh, the Netherlands? I think it's really, uh, really popular. Not just financially, it's an important market for, uh, for Ian Productions, I think. But also after the UK, I think... It has a very densely populated amount of Bond fans. I think it's a, it really lives uh, pretty pretty much in the Netherlands. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So, did did you appreciate seeing Amsterdam in uh, Diamonds Are Forever? Then. <laughs> yeah, it was actually uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice, but it was also just a, a relatively short uh, appearance of Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was funny to see the the opening of a dead woman coming out of the canal. It's oh yeah, <laughs> typical Dutch brain probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one would bat an eyelid in Amsterdam if that happened. Presumably, would they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to say this 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 fantastical Guy Hamilton Bond films. I I'm sometimes really in the mood for these oh. outlandish. Uh, ridiculousness, you know, it's uh, highly entertaining. They're very, very odd, and the sort of part of your childhood where they're like almost horror films when you were young. There's just some really well, yeah. the, the scene in the the crematorium is terrifying. Isn't it? it's just yeah, scary. if you see that as kid, you are. L l I think you leave with uh, with some bad dreams afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and but also the the way Guy Hamilton directed those movies, like when. Um, for instance, when Blofeld is is being put in the magma and the lava, the way he's just it, it's so funny, oh. it's so hilarious. Yes, it is. It is played yeah. for laughs a lot of it. Which, yeah, yeah. I, I think you've got to be in the right mood and you've got to sort of have that sense of humor to enjoy them. But so, who who is your your favorite Bond growing up, Gert? Your favorite Bond actor? Mm, I find it really difficult. Um... I think I would still say. Um, usually, I say I'm. Uh, I really focus on the movie, and regardless what actor it is play, plays, you know. But um, if you really ask me which is the best actor, I'm still saying Sean Connery, and um, I think his performance as Bond in Thunderbolt was the most rounded, the most witty, the most uh, competent uh, performance. So good to hear that because I, I watched it recently, Thunderball, and I'm I'm obsessed with it. 
I had it in my, I think I had it at number six in my top 10 when I did for the cinema savvy. Cause I just, I just think it's wonderful. But the, Sean Connery's performance in that doesn't get enough credit. He's so good. Everything he does, the way he moves, his humor, he's just totally James Bond, totally. Yeah, and and it's kind of funny. I think the money uh, that the movie gets a bit um, discredited for for maybe the the finale underwater sequences, etc. Yeah. But I think if you solely look at the portrayal of James Bond, um, uh, I think. In Thunderbolt, he, he was at his best. And also, he was more like the commander, 007. He was very commandeering. He was very dominant in the sense that you felt he was the manager of this whole thing in the Bahamas. And he was very assertive. While in Goldfinger, he was just caught in Switzerland. And that was it, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it was obviously more globetrotting and more spy work, I suppose, in spies yeah. with and he is more competent. Hey, you, you mentioned Commander then, because we had a refer- nice reference in No Time to Die, didn't we, to Commander Bond, if I seem to remember? Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot because of Nomi, of course. And yeah, yeah. He's uh, really, uh, she's really referring to that. And um, yeah, I think it's nice also later on when, when he goes to uh, Safin's lair in uh, Shikutan, then you see... And then you see also his his naval clothes, you know. It, uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of kind of nice. I like it. I think a few of us were were hoping that he might have the full naval uniform that you know Pierce had in Tomorrow Never Dies, and Roger had in The Spy Love Me, and Sean had it in seeing You Only Live Twice. But uh, the the end outfit was superb. I did like that. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, be be honest. Be no, honest. no, I love the outfit. I love the after. I, uh, <laughs> I I think uh, I I think overall uh, the uh, the finale was re- really better than uh, um, the Spectre uh, film in London and and, yes. and and even Quantum of Solace. Um, uh, but I think there are always some some things that could have been a bit better with regard to how to. Uh, shut off uh, Safin from his diabolical plan, you know. I mean, uh, you start thinking, hey, if uh, in You Only Live Twice they have a whole army of uh, uh, martial arts people, uh, wouldn't have, wouldn't it not be a good idea to employ them also <laughs> go to Shikutan to destroy Safin that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. But this is all after after talk, and yeah. It is, it is. We'll, we'll get on to that, yeah. I've only seen it once, though. So, so like oh. the farther away we get, the more rusty I get. I don't, I, I don't know if I want to commit to another viewing or not. I'm not sure. I know oh, what really? Tom, yeah. Tom is going to say now. <laughs> you know what? It's the same joke now every time, isn't it? You, you have to see it several times until you realize that it's a masterpiece. But you no, know, you liked it though, didn't you, Shayla? So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that for you. No, I did like it, but a lot of the points that you guys have brought up in previous episodes, I also agree with. I my my bar was set pretty low for this film, to be honest. <laughs> so we got to the end, and now it's, the era's over. So I'm, yeah. I, I love the film. It's great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I no, I did. I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. There's just you know, there's nitpicks that you know, like it's obvious that they, like you said, started with the death and then worked backwards, yeah. and like yeah. super obvious. But 
Did you it's also fun. did you also put it in your top ten, Sheila? Uh, I, no time today. I did not put it in my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> not sure go? it'll ever be there. <laughs> I uh, I have a weird. Um, uh, this movie is one of the weirdest experiences for me for, uh, personally because the first time I was shocked and also emotional. The second time I actually got some tears when James Bond got killed. But the third and the fourth times, I think I should not have done it because it made me feel more depressed about everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's literally one of the most depressing Bond films from start to end. The film succeeds in, in those emotions. It's a strong movie to digest, a bit like, I don't know if you've seen Logan with the oh, yeah. Wolverine uh, character. Yeah. It's a bit like that, you know, it's as unique as that. But personally, I've always... I prefer the girl in this, to be honest. The, Sorry? The, the I prefer the girl in No Time to Die than the, the little girl in uh, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 screaming the, all, the whole way through is... <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But although sometimes I had the feeling that Matilda, you're talking about the kid now. The, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I had a feeling that Matilda, I mean, in real life, a kid would be screaming and, and, and oh, yelling yeah. if, if he's seeing a character like Safin, you know. I would do But that. not James Bond's kid. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's yeah. got the spy gene. <laughs> That's why she was so chill. It's not yours. No. <laughs> um, no. Right. We all knew that was the biggest lie. That was like, yeah. Well, if you look at her we'll, eyes. We'll get onto that. That's dear me. So much to still say. <laughs> it will be for years. This is one of the things I have also problems with. I mean, even if you have so many relationship issues, like in the pre-title sequence. I mean, if you are pregnant from James Bond, you sent a text message or you tried to call. Our relationship is over, but I have to tell you this: I'm pregnant from you. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, and then keep it secret until Norway. It's not yours. It's not yours, yeah. but it is yours. I mean, Madeline, what kind of girl are you? You know, yeah, that I was agree. my thought. <laughs> I think Nikolai tried to explain that by, he was saying it's not yours because I'm the one who's brought her yeah, up. But, her own. Yeah, but he didn't know, did he? So he couldn't. I buy that, but, though. <laughs> yeah, but it, it feels a bit like Inspector when 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 Oberhauser saying, "Yeah, but Blofeld is my mother's name." You know, it's so it's a bit too convoluted, maybe too yeah. too too much. You know, for but I also have to say it is maybe also uh, how how from a creative point of view how Marvel uh, stories work these days, and this has taken over a lot in the. James Bond yeah, films as well. Yeah, how's it? How's MI6 there? <laughs> They're responsible for all everything, really, in the end. Yeah. Well, seriously, M and his weapon that he created or whatever that was, like, I don't know what's going on with MI6 in the Craig era. Oh, if that was Judy, <laughs> the fans would have been in uproar, wouldn't they? They wouldn't have allowed Judy to have ruined everything and killed Bond, if it's, <laughs> it's the diabolical aura of Judy Dench that's hanging over Mallory. Oh, maybe it was. <laughs> they didn't have her uh, painting, though, did they? Yeah, uh, yeah. That was quite nice. Sorry, no, they, they had hers, but they didn't have Bernard Lee. But that, I presume that's because they had it in the world is not enough. They didn't want to have it again, I assume. Yeah, but oh, then they still have Robert Brown. The best, best bit of... <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but the good thing about 
the good thing about MI, uh, MI6 or at least M in No Time to Die to me is that despite his sheer incompetence, I mean, I mean, in real life, the British government would never sanction something like that. It's like ethical. No, sure. uh, it won't happen, you know, and, and taxpayers are not going to pay so for such a... Uh, weapon like Heracles. The background of the story resulted in some very good uh, scenes for M, just like M in Skyfall. I mean, if you see the dialogue between Bond and M in in uh, the M's office, it's just to me that recalled me. I got a lot of throwbacks to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where also Bond and M are almost in a row together, and that was very strongly acted by both Ralph Fiennes and uh, Daniel Craig. And the dialogue in it was so good that these sequences in the M's office, it uh, the four times I've been to the cinema, it it got the most laughter in the in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it is in in your how it was in your cinema, Sheila. Or I don't think anybody reacted at all. The only thing that I remember <laughs> is that at the end, some older people they were like, "Well, now what are they going to do? They've killed James Bond." And then I remember <laughs> I remember one lady saying, "They never killed Pierce Brosnan," so they were just confused. I'm not really sure. I don't remember like a lot of laughter. I just remember like like also too like when Bond was like dying, I was dried-eyed and looking around and everybody was crying and i was like man i think i'm the biggest bond fan here and i'm the driest <laughs> eye like i took my, i took my best wow. friend with me and because we sl we're slowly getting her to like you know watch bond films and so she watched all the daniel craig ones and she went uh, yeah, you know tiffany. time to die tiffany yeah she was bawling her eyes out <laughs> i was like wow wow but i guessed it was coming so i think i was ready for it yeah i think i think this is maybe the smart thing about this film uh, and again, I think this is a film that is perhaps for Bond fans very confusing, but for non-fans, for people who are just going for the cinema for the sake of seeing a movie every four months, I think it must have been an emotional experience for, for some. Not all, but uh, I think it, for, for non-Bond fans, I think it, it, it must have felt more emotional than maybe for us, probably. It is weird, isn't it? Because like Jennifer was is sort of a semi Bond fan, and she she enjoyed it until the ending. But for someone who's got even less knowledge than her, it must be quite odd because you need to know a bit about Madeline and all that to but buy you know, into everything. You know what? But, though I actually have another friend. His first ever Bond film was No Time to Die. He just went to go oh, see it wow. a couple of days ago. And and because I told him, I said, oh, you should at least watch Spectre or something. Like you need some connection besides No Time to Die. But he he just went for it. And and he just said that he kind of like with, like with Vesper, he just assumed, oh, that must have been a girl that he loved before. Like he didn't, I don't think it took away from um, his- No, no. Yeah, no. like I don't, I don't think, possible. so I think you can actually just watch No Time to Die and, and not need to know anything to yeah. do with Craig Zira. Yeah. I, I, I and how did he like it? He liked it. Yeah, he, he did okay. like it. I'll I'll try to uh, I'll look up and see uh, what else he might have said because he, <laughs> he gave me a little paragraph of what he thought. <laughs> well, that is interesting. I'm not emotionally invested in the story because I prefer the ones where there isn't emotional investment in the story. <laughs> you are not. Yeah. Uh, I think you are not that emotionally invested in the film at all. No, Tom. Uh, you, no, <laughs> as a film, as a film on its own within its own settings, I think it did. It was emotionally successful to an extent, 
possibly slightly manipulative with the music, but people don't know it that well enough. You know, people might just think that's just James Bond music, so it doesn't really mean anything to them. And they heard the music and it was... And the Hans Zimmer music at the end was very good, so yeah. all in all, that helps you get emotional. And I think also the the choice of... Well, obviously, we had a pandemic uh, in between, but uh, there was a, a big hiatus between Spectre and this one. I think most people forget about it, especially young people, you know, young Marvel fans. They go to the movie and they say, yeah, have you seen the previous episode or episode even eh, in the cinema? Have you seen the previous movie? And and with James Bond, it's it feels like creatively they, they want to tie things up like Marvel. But business-wise, financially, production-wise... They say fuck off Marvel, <laughs> so it's a bit yeah. half half-hearted, you know. I think wow. this is maybe part of the reason that, especially younger fans, they they don't mind so much about. Uh, they are not invested in all the background with this movie because they also expect it to be a Bond movie. I guess it's different than Marvel. So. You just go on to Amazon and what they're going to do with the in the future. There's because Marvel is is like the big giants there, then they're just sort of. <laughs> Either trying to avoid it or trying to copy it a little bit. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Simon. And I'm James. We want to talk about those movies. Those supposedly bad movies. Those movies that bombed. To see if they weren't that bad after all, join us every other Tuesday on the For Your Reconsideration podcast, part of the Pop Dojo Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, and all your usual podcast apps. And it won't cost you a solitary bean, mate. <laughs> it's like it's free. <laughs> it's just like it's free. <laughs> you can almost see Skyfall as the odd one out, perhaps, of the five. In, in, oh, the, in It's the, just like a one-off. The... It's like his one-off that's just yeah, not yeah. connected. I, I'm, like, I, I'm bummed that they tried to connect Skyfall to Spectre. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like, it was just, I, Skyfall is like the one one-off that you can just go sit down and watch. Absolutely. Well, besides Casino Royale, I suppose. I consider myself relatively progressive with regard to creative choices and everything. And I personally liked a lot uh, that Casino Royale was stripped down from all the gadgets and CGI. The same thing with Skyfall. I think Skyfall is a wonderful film. But the big difference between No Time to Die and on one hand and Skyfall, Spectre and Casino, Casino Royale on the other hand is that even those films had, before some very emotional plot twists, they had a lot of uh, fun humor, you know? Like when Bond was being uh, tortured uh, in this chair naked, there was still humor. And also when uh, Bond is doing some lovely politically incorrect stuff by by sneaking into the shower of Severine in her sailing boat... It's Ooh. so utterly bomb, but I loved it. I loved you it for that. And and even that we don't have in No Time to Die. And that so some hints, especially in Jamaica and and Cuba. But I think the tone from start to end was way more. Uh, and it started already with the pre-title sequence. Was way more uh, slightly depressive, you know. And I also think it would have been a bit better if they personally, if they made Madeline at times uh, a little bit more sassy, 
like Tracy or Vesper. Like simple creative choices, what I would have done was uh, let Madeline uh, go in the car and 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 do the do the car chase, you know, and some internal bickering inside the car. Matilda, now quiet, for God's sake. <laughs> no, these kind of little things, you yeah, know, yeah. I think that, yeah. that would have helped it to make it a little bit more lighter. Even Honor Majesties in Casino have that, you know. Yeah, uh, the audience liked that as well. The audience would have liked that, I think. And this is why I think, in hindsight now, the most depressive, emotionally depressive Bond film is No Time to Die. <laughs> I'm so worried about you, Gert, because you... You do sort of, they mean so much to these films and judging by your sort of statuses and everything, I did feel like, I don't know, even when I saw it, I was thinking, oh gosh, I was worried about Lorenzo. I was really worried about him seeing yeah. it and I don't know. I don't want to get t too far, but it really is playing with people's emotions who've, who who love James Bond and nothing like this could ever happen to him. And to to do it, you've got to get it right. You've got to have You've got to have it justified. You've got to have it watertight. I, th I think the most beautiful villain death in the crack era I have seen in No Time to Die, but it was not this one. It was the the murder of uh, Obrachev. I loved it. It, it. it was totally awesome when 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 in, in a short moment uh, Obrachev suddenly develops as the ultimate Russian racist. He openly yeah. refers to the diaspora in, in Africa. And you see Nomi saying, what the fuck? You need to die. Yeah. And then he throws him in a boiling, <laughs> boiling uh, water, like, yeah. like in, uh, in You Only Live Twice with all the piranhas. And ah, that is wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. Did you think it came a bit out of the blue, though, Shaley? You know how he suddenly... Okay, it had been mentioned, hadn't it, by Q, that he was developing certain bugs or whatever they were, viruses for for races, didn't it, or g genomes. That was the only sort of link we had. And then for him to suddenly say something massively racist at a time when he knew he – well, I wouldn't I say that now, mate. Oh, you know, you, you might just get shooked off. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's actually – honestly, that's one. Of, that's the scene that I'm the most fuzzy on. I don't remember any of him like – I, like, I don't remember him being racist at all. Like, I don't know if I was just so enamored with Nomi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, because she was so – like, she – I really liked I – lo I loved pretty much oh, every good, character. Good. Yeah, I loved Nomi. I thought she was – like, I loved how she started out – they started out kind of cold and then near the end like i love that she gave him back his number so he could die with it that's so cute yeah like it i, I really enjoyed her so i that's actually the one scene that i am not actually very uh like i don't know much oh. i don't remember <laughs> i know i have to go see it again <laughs> oh, it's, it's very interesting because with with uh, i was during the film a lot of a lot of the time I was focused on Obruchev because he started as an MI6 uh, laboratory professor, you know? And yeah. you already knew after the main title that he is actually working very closely with Safin and more with Safin than he's using Spectre almost as a tool. It becomes, for me, pretty clear from the start of the movie. But then during the movie, you get to understand that uh, the Heracles virus with the nanobots is possible to to point out certain groups populace of of human society you know uh, with help of programming dna program it's all uh, a lot of uh, typical bond uh, weirdness but anyway and i think it i think the scheme in itself 
was very nicely done, at, at least the effectiveness of how Heracles was written. And then, um, then during the movie, you see Obrachev, he's whining, oh, my nose, my nose. Yeah. It's just so funny. Almost uh, you feel for this, this villain, and then it becomes a bit more. He starts to talk about, oh, but we are in control. You don't know what you do. Blah. And, and it, for me, it worked perfectly until... Uh, until the very moment when when he dies, and I think if you refer to Nomi, I think Nomi was a great character, but this 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 was a culmination. I think Nomi between Oberchev as some kind of uh, a perfect moment where both could shine. You know, uh, the death of a villain, and then at the same time you see Nomi. You know, it's like um, it was lovely done. But yeah, like with so many Bond films, there are. are Differences in what we like and what we don't like. So, oh yeah, I, I think it, it was a satisfying death. I think, and he did have to die, didn't he? You know, he, if his character had survived, it wasn't like Koskov. You know, he he was sort of a bit of a pathetic character in the end, wasn't he? That wasn't entirely convincing, and he may well mm. have been killed off screen. We don't know, but for this guy Obrachev to have done all this and not and escape punishment, it was never going to happen, was it? He, I think, he <laughs> yeah. Did. I suppose he would have been blown up anyway, along with everybody <laughs> else, apart from Nomi on the boat with uh, Matilda and Mother. But Paloma's obviously CIA, and she must be one of the most popular characters I've ever encountered, I think, in, in the James Bond franchise. And we were, just, we were trying to work out why, because she's not in it an awful lot. It's only sort of one scene. And I think you've, most of it has got to be credit to Anna Diarmas's performance. I think she's, you know, it's, she's so likeable and... Everyone I've spoken to, Bond fans, people who've just seen the first Bond film or whatever, they all loved her and they all sort of really appreciated that. And it and it took you out of the overall film for a little while, didn't it? It took you out of the gloom and it, you felt like you were in a Brosnan film, Shayla. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and yeah, maybe that's I, why we love her so much because she's like the shining light in this devastatingly sad film. Like she's the fun little yeah. moment where you forget that you're like – in for the most depressing movie of your life. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she could she could come back, couldn't she, if it wasn't I don't think she will now because that I think that's it now for everyone in this continuity. If Daniel Craig had survived and it was a different actor playing him in the next film, I, I think she could have come in, you know, and been a more more experienced. It would have been quite interesting to see how her character developed over the films and how how she sort of had a, a camaraderie with Bond. I think that would have been. Well, I mean, it might happen, but what they could do is, I think they did it mildly also with Judy Dench. They let her return yeah. in uh, yeah. Casino Royale. They could do something similar with with with, um, with Paloma, like make her the new Felix Leiter, the way she is eh, as a character, light-hearted, yeah, yeah. funny, uh, a little bit naive, clumsy, but at the same time experienced. All these traits in one, I think that worked, and it, I think they could do it uh, if if they are daring enough to uh, it, to. It's, it's a bit daring because it'd be like, who even if the new Bond is there, like, oh, I, th I thought you were killed in in action in that. You know, when I, <laughs> after I'd seen you when I left you in Cuba, I thought you went to an island and got blown up. <laughs> 
How's your daughter? You know, I, I just there's too many. Uh, well, uh, uh, look, uh, look, they did the same thing with George Lazenby yeah, in Honor Majesties. Oh, this never happened to the other feller. Well, uh, yeah. So it's it's it, it, it can be done, yeah. and, and it can be also some fun. I think it's totally yeah, inconsistent, get- but uh, it, I think it could work. Or just give her her own spinoff. I know that people are mad about spinoffs. Some of oh, like, oh, don't like it. Do blah, blah, yeah. blah. But I think that if it was good, why not? You got Amazon I, money now. I, I don't know what you think of it, Tom, but I'm I'm with Sheila on this. I already wrote a couple of times that I think the Bond film franchise is a very underused product right now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Especially if you have a Bond film every five, six years. It gets removed from our collective consciousness, especially from right. young young people. Yeah, absolutely. I think playing with uh, at least the character Paloma, because her role was already quite small, I think it wouldn't hurt for the franchise to start a spin-off. I, exactly. I just think it's it could definitely work if, if it's done structurally correctly and we, we are going to get Bond films more regularly. You know, we it's no use having a sort of Paloma film or a Palomi TV series, if we're still getting Bond films every five or six years for me, you know, I'd, I'd rather it be that we had the Bonds every two or three years and had something like this. I, I, I agree. agree. There's Both. Because then, because then you get, if you need to sign up an actor who's willing to do it for a few years, because they do it with Marvel, don't they? And they all, they go, how many films have each one of them been in? They're probably double figures, a lot of them. Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman played uh, Wolverine yeah. uh, a whopping 10 yeah. times, you know, and Tom Cruise is up for his uh, uh, seventh and eighth uh, yeah. time as uh, Ethan Hunt. Yeah, and that it does show, doesn't it? And you, Paloma, you could have it, of course, it would be in different countries. It'd be interesting. She'd, you'd have a meeting up with, you know, MI6 agents, not necessarily 007. You could have a meeting with Nomi or other characters. Um, in that world, I, I think it. I think it would work. I think it would be fine. It's just the gamble, isn't it? Of they, they tried it with Solo, didn't they? With Star Wars, that because people had sort of lost a little bit of faith in the main franchise, it just got a bit risky trying to do something else. But then you've seen the Mandalorian, and everyone's absolutely loving it again. So who I love the Mandalorian, yeah. and I think I think uh, Barbara Broccoli said it herself: you need to take risks. And taking risks inside the movie is one thing, but I think it also in today's environment, uh, movie environment, it's also about taking risks outside that. But I have to say, first thing first, I think we need to have more Bond films in a shorter period. Absolutely. I mean, uh, every five years, come on. Uh, If even Daniel Craig is saying, oh, these films... They don't appear that often in cinema anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry, Daniel. I don't want that. I want it more often. <laughs> we had to wait for him for two years, though, before he decided to get over Spectre and, and do another one. So, you know, partly his fault. Coronavirus wasn't his fault. I'm not going <laughs> to... But, 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 but Tom and Shayla, what do you think? Do you think that, that we should uh, have a younger actor who's, who wants to be typecasted? and who sees it as an honor to be only in a Bond film. Wouldn't that be a good thing for the Bond film franchise? I agree, but I, I don't necessarily know if I want if I want Bond to be like super young. Like, I don't know if I want like a 28-year-old Bond. But to, to find an actor that would commit to a good chunk of films, 
like Brosnan was ready to. Sorry, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Don't that would be a shame too. <laughs> I just, I yeah, no, I think that they should find an actor for sure who wants to commit to Bond and be Bond for a while because that would help too with the younger generation as well because they'd have they'd have a steady actor to follow. You could have computer games back. I'd do that. Yeah, totally. One-off Video games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know it might have become a little bit. You know that might have affected Dino the Day too much in that they were gearing more towards that fantastical. But I thought elements of No Time to Die were actually quite fantastical, certainly in the plot. And I didn't mind that. You know, okay, I know the Bionic Eye is, is, you know, I think it's far more ridiculous than the Invisible Car, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean sorry, to me that... Sorry, sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> I said, I said the, the Bionic Eyes, the fact that there are two of them and they swap them through the prison is a far more ridiculous thing than an Invisible Car for me, given that you, that technology is now there. But... I don't mind it because it's it should be a bit fantastical. It should take you out of the real world. It's just when it when it's married with oh you must treat this seriously and it's quite depressing. It's it's it's, it's to be fair they did it quite well. They, they did. <laughs> Harry did a decent job of getting all these weird things merging and somehow making it into a complete cinematic experience. I think. How did yeah, he charge th- those eyes though? Yeah, you are. How, did, how did Blofeld charge the eye? Like, how did it just constantly <laughs> work? I don't understand. His <laughs> did he have nerves. an outlet in his yeah. prison cell? Because if so, <laughs> I don't. You know, That's a great point. I, I personally think um, maybe I'm thinking this too much through, but the bionic eye is actually not. Now you guys are talking about it. It's one of the weirdest things in the crack it's era. It's like. And also, the moment in the pre-title sequence when the when the eye from. Uh, um, Cyclops gets out, and you see yeah. Bond looking at Pretty that. Like, what is this? You know, <laughs> it's it is it's very funny. But I do think that they put this eye in there as a MacGuffin to to round off the storyline of Blofeld. Oh yeah, yeah. And and with the invisible car, it's just hey, let's make an invisible car. You know, and and personally, I think I was thinking. Wouldn't it not have been a better idea if there w- would be uh, a realistic scenario with a doppelganger again, like in Thunderbolt, for instance? Ooh. That was a bit what I had in mind in yeah. order to reset Blofeld in the perfect way and let him become uh, the real Blofeld and not some kind of cuckoo guy, you know? <laughs> and um, are forever with the clones, the clone Blofelds, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <clears throat> But yeah, f- for what's worth it, I think the, the if you if you have to to touch on a scene that is very Brosnan like, lighthearted, this bionic eye uh, g- gives me the, the a smile, and also yeah. the way it's presented in this uh, in this Cuba party with these three bald yeah. ha- haired guys, it's like. It's it's totally it's almost like Mr. Wind and Mr. Kit uh, kind yeah. of weirdness, you know. So yeah, it, it's nice. <laughs> At this point, Rob Parker joins the conversation. I was talking about it earlier when James Bond was in a lifeboat and staring at the, at the camera. It was like, for me, the most un-Bondian moment. But 
I think in hindsight, when I watched it the second time, I think the uh, the scene where James Bond dies was still uh, resonated still heavily with me. The first time I had more a feeling like a gutting feeling. But then again, this movie is appealing so much to people's emotions. You have to wonder, do you want to make a copy of Logan or a copy of Iron Man dying, you know? And in that sense, I hope for the future that from a creative point of view, James Bond becomes a bit more trend-setting again in the sense that that people think, hey, this is actually better than Marvel. Uh, I give you one example. The, when I saw Black Widow, there was the scene of, of um, uh, Moonraker, you know, the cameo where, where uh, uh, Natasha Romanoff uh, is joking a bit about Moonraker, etc. I want a similar thing in a Bond film. And now this time I want James Bond to ridicule Marvel with a good punchline. That's what I want yeah. to see in a Bond film, you know? I, I agree with you, but I don't think that any of this kind of on-the-pulse stuff can happen if they're making movies every six years. Mm, I think if I you agree. can do it like, you know, like at Marvel, a, a factory, aren't they? They're just boom, 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 boom. And you can keep on a pop culture crest of a wave there, whereas you, you can't keep things topical with when you're only making two movies. I mean, and, you know what I mean? And that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's the big problem. They want creatively, story-wise, they want to make it Marvel, but from the financial point of view, production-wise, they detest Marvel. And this this half-heartedness is not good, I think. You either need to choose one or the other. Yeah. yeah. And I think for the future, I think it's much better to to have a more rapid succession of Bond films every two and a half years. And also very important, I think the length of the Bond movies, 163 minutes, this is one of the reasons that, that the shooting schedule is so large and that the costs of Bond movies go up. Just just limit it more and focus a bit more on on, 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 on writing, on, on, on writing a joyous screenplay. When we talked to John Glenn, he was saying that License to Kill cost thirty million. I think I think that was dollars, and you think, yeah, that's quite a lot of money then. But I think the Moonraker budget was more than that, and that's you know, t- ten years beyond that. Obviously, they were spending <laughs> yeah. a lot more money, but the budget shouldn't get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because you know, I think Quantum of Solace had the biggest budgets ever, and it was only ninety three minutes. You know, it's. It shouldn't be that way. They could have made a film like that for, I don't know, eighty million or something like that, and maybe mm-hmm. No Time to Die. I mean, one hundred fifty million is a lot of money. Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, get all, No Time, No Time to Die. I made some calculations today. Actually, No Time to Die cost at the production budget was almost three hundred million dollars. On top of that, marketing and distribution was probably two hundred million. And then on top of that, you have a write-off because of a delay. That's 50 million. Then yeah. you've got 17 months of, of interest delay. That is 17 million in total. <laughs> if you look at the return on investment score, and uh, I'm sorry to say it, No Time to Die is a huge failure. No one is yeah. saying it directly yet, but Amazon is going to use it and say, look, you are the creative torchbearers of Bond. But we have the money, and now you listen to us. That's what's going to happen at the negotiating table in the near future, I think. I agree, even though it's a good excuse, the pandemic, and, of course, 
audiences might have been a bit more willing to come back. In here, it's been a big, in the UK, it's been a big event for everyone to go back to. I don't think it's quite, Shayla, has it not really had quite impacts in the US and Canada, really? I don't think so. Like, I was really hoping there was going to be like a gun barrel stand up that I saw everybody taking pictures in front, like behind. We had nothing. We had like one poster that was just supposed to be there anyway. So I don't think the hype is here. (laughs) (laughs) Even like, is it, is it common knowledge now the end of the film though? You know, like, do people know what happens at the end? Yeah. Well, I thought about that as maybe a reason why there's not as much hype because maybe the majority of people were spoiled because we had to wait a week. So maybe they're yeah. just like, ugh, Bond dies, whatever. I don't want to see this one. I don't, no, I'm not Did sure. anyone spoil it to you, for you, Shayla? No, I had no, oh, well, good. I spoiled it for myself because I just knew that it was going to happen. Because like, oh, yeah, my, yeah. My, my thought process was, I was like, what would bring Daniel Craig back? Killing James Bond, being able to kill James Bond would bring Daniel Craig back. So I was like, yeah. he's going he's gonna to kill easy. Bond. It's, yeah. it's it's a very logical thinking. I actually didn't see it coming. I took the novel You Only Live Twice in my mind. And I was thinking also about the ending, the uh, ambiguous death of Batman in The Dark Knight Rises. I think they were going to do something like that. So the first time when I saw Bond being bombarded by uh, by all these bombs, I was like, okay. <laughs> This is pretty happy. <laughs> so that was my first reaction. Yeah, it was like that, Rob and Sheila. It was for me, I didn't see the total annihilation of Bond. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's much comeback from what happened to him, really, is there? I mean, it's not <laughs> no. like... No. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. But in a way, that's a good thing because there's no comeback. Like, yes. he, can, he, can, he can't take two years to figure out if he wants to do another one and come back now. He cannot do that, so... De- de-aging in a prequel. Seriously, I was I was talking to someone in the pub this week, and they said to me that um, you know what's going to happen, don't you? And I went, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. You tell me. And he said, Well, every Bond film from here on will have to be a flashback between Casino Royale and and No Time to Die. Oh but, no! But please, no, no, <laughs> no! It's really confused the public. I think, like, I think it's really confused people who are not are, who yeah. are not big Bond fans. Yeah. Absolutely, Bond fans as well. Especially to leave the, especially to leave the James Bond will return until after, after, after the like it should have been right at like it should have been right near the end or something because people don't stick around to watch after credits. No one, no one in my viewing did. He wanted the Louis Armstrong song, so we had to wait until that had finished. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. When I, we watched it, Rob, at the cinema, everyone had gone, hadn't they? Yeah. We were like the only people left in the whole cinema. When it said James Bond will return, there were a handful of tearful restaurateurs. Tearful restaurateurs. <laughs> <laughs> a handful of us there going like, oh. But, but, but Sheila, you were saying that, no? That the, the tagline, James Bond will return, was put entirely at the end, eh? Yeah, very, yeah. very, very end. It like was after. very, very end in previous Bond films. It was before the movie logos. So I was I was really like when the movie logos came, I, I was looking at my friend Thomas, I think yeah. Barbara Barbara and Michael wanna 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 stop. That was my feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but well, then James Bond will return, but already the curtains went uh, closed. So it was like I think they they wanted as little people as possible to see that tagline. That is like how it felt for me, you know? So depressing, yeah, man. man. So <laughs> depressing. I don't know what no. to say. Oh. I can understand in one way that 
we've just done this emotional massive climax with the music and you know the I want to tell you about a man he was called Bond I don't know why she was speaking English by the way to a French daughter who she's mm. you know anyway yeah. that's that's annoying that's an annoying nitpick <laughs> but you know if you'd have just had all that and then James Bond will return straight away but I th- that's what they did in Honor Majesties and I still I'm going to defend the music I keep doing this the the music at the end of Honor Majesties that People think it went too far quickly into the Bond theme and it was a really upbeat Bond theme and I would have rather it have gone on and had the Louis Armstrong and it was sad. But that's what, I'd love that so much because it really gives you a kick at the backside. No, that's not the end of Bond. Yeah. And you you, th- you feel so James Bond at the end of that and yet he will return, it's coming back, don't but, worry. But they didn't kill him. I know, I know that. they didn't. I, know. <laughs> I mean, like, he's dead. Let's. let's we, yeah. we're, we're talking to each other now. When in the present timeline of us enjoying these films, our hero is dead. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That is wild. It consumes me with depression when I think of it like that. It really is. Isn't and it? when you've got the, the quote of, you know, like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope I've left Bond in a better place than I found it. He's dead. You killed him. And, <laughs> and I, I, I dare to reason that from a creative point of view, to relaunch a new Bond film, Bond 26, it will be immensely difficult because in the process and that's what I also ask myself. This has all been so much about Daniel Craig, but but Daniel, look at wonderful actors Ben Wisher, Ralph Fiennes, Naomi Harris. Yeah, you, yeah. you you take them down in your grave Absolutely. because you cannot just relaunch them in Bond Twenty Six. You know, and you would have loved them back. Yeah. I would have done. I yeah, I, and I, I actually loved no, this time that my six characters. I loved them this, this time. Yeah. They were very nice and. They were. Then also that feeling, you know, so... Lost them as well. It's, all, it's so depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all Most over. depressing it's movie all ever. Over. Rob Gert is still depressed about you the film. He had plenty not, of time to die. He's not in a good way about yeah, it. He had 163 <laughs> minutes to die, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, did, he, did, like, he did, yeah. Knowing uh, that that's what's coming. So, you know, obviously we've discussed at length, Tom, about how we we feel that the, the story was written in reverse. You know, we want James yeah. Bond to die, therefore we'll reverse engineer this story so we can make it happen. The arrogance of then calling it No Time to Die is <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's so obvious. They should have renamed... There are a lot of death 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of death. There's one movie. <laughs> yeah, plenty of death and time for lots of people to die. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or I was even reasoning The Spy Who Loved Me. That would have also been a great title. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That would have worked better, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, nobody does it better wouldn't have been appropriate. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't, he didn't uh, get out. Anyway, no. <laughs> oh, God. Well, again, it's the story of these films, you know. Mostly, nah. he fails the missions. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> Plenty of people do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Shayla, of course, is obviously Canada. It's only yeah. it's only been out there quite recently, and she's only seen it once. So, Shayla, I think I might have already asked you, but do you think you will see it again at the cinema? Oh, I feel like I did say in the no beginning pressure. I probably wouldn't, but I feel like, okay, I don't know. Maybe on like a cheap night. Maybe cheap night, I'd go. Just to be devastated again. I Yay! Think, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think you, you should right. uh, see it a second time. There are still, and, and despite, <laughs> we are now uh, summarizing the negativities of this film, but despite all of that, I think, to me, from an emotional perspective, I think the film succeeded better than let's say quantum of solace there are still a lot of bond-esque thrills in this movie Uh, i was talking about the death of obrachev i loved it Uh, there are a lot of little things that that uh, the bionic eye we just talked but also paloma and uh, the main title sequence and the music this time is wonderful so I think it's a movie that needs also to settle in. It it won't be people's favorite, but it will be probably leave a similar image as maybe the movie Logan uh, did for uh, the X-Men character. No, I agree. There was so much to enjoy. I enjoyed so much of it the first time I saw it. And Tom, you're right. When when I came out, I was positive yeah. initially. I was you know, really like, worried. Well, I didn't I, I... I saw John's face and I could see he was totally depressed. I could tell Chris wasn't. <laughs> John right Kell, you mean? Oh, John Kell, yeah, John. Yeah, John. To I think because he is, you know, on a Majesty's, he's so in love with that film, and he, you know, he, he couldn't. And even Chris is so attached to that film. You know, it's like I knew that they would not like that, and that was from the get-go, wasn't it? With the "We have all the time in the world" line, and Steve Clamp was saying yeah. that. Oh, right. Well, that means he's going to die, isn't it? And that was like a giveaway for him. <laughs> Yeah. But Rob, yeah. yeah. Incidentally, be- no, before I, I, I just move on to the positive points, like I cannot tell you the amount of times during, because I was sat next to Tom, during the, the watching this with Tom, that he turned to me and whispered, What the hell is going on? <laughs> the sheriff was with us that night. <laughs> the sheriff was with us in spirit. It was, must have been 10 or 12 times. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, the other thing I wanted to, I kept thinking in my brain was, this is awful, but we'd been re- recreating it because you, you'd watched Spectrum quite recently, hadn't you? And Matt had been, yeah. I had, yeah. And when yeah, yeah. that weird scene with Blofeld in the sort of underground, well, no, he's, he's sort of desert hideout, and he's got footage of, he's got footage of uh, Mr. White being killed. And Bond doesn't want yeah. Bond doesn't want Madeline to see it. So, so turn it off. No. <laughs> Everything, yeah. Every time something annoying was happening, all I could think of was I said, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's too far. That's too far. I'm sorry. Uh, Positive. Well, you know, yeah, but I remember leaving. Yeah. I certainly felt like if because I do I do feel like look like thirty. What am I? Thirty eight now. So. First introduced Bond when I was two, I think, something like that. So 30, 
six, 35 years yeah. of love for this. I felt like that ending just massively betrayed me, you know, and all that love and time and enjoyment. You know, I felt hugely betrayed by that ending. It very much clouds this film for me. What it does have a great deal of positives. Uh, like you say, Gert, I, I agree with everything you just said. The music's outstanding for me. I absolutely love the music in this film. I could do without those musical cues that we, you know, that are the trigger words <laughs> at the moment, you know. But like, I, I could do without those. But I, honestly, I thought Zimmer's score was absolutely sensational. I really like Eilish's title theme as well. The first hour, I'm having more fun watching this than I have done watching Bond in years. Yeah, it's yeah. true, you know, it's true. So for me at that point, I was thinking like, this is, oh, he's got it. He's understood it, you know, and Craig looked like he was having fun. The, the filmmakers looked like they were having fun. You know, you know, you should, you should do the following thing. You should, um, <laughs> you should do the following thing. The moment when Bond picks up uh, Dudu, the teddy bear from uh, oh. Matilda, ah, ah, and then, then stop it. Yeah, yeah. That's quite turn late. It off. <laughs> <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> I, I think you're right, but for me, like the, it was well before then. I was like, "Hang on a minute, this is sliding towards melodrama, and this is getting." But the, 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 the sets yeah. were incredible as well. That's another yeah. thing I'd love to point out. But action, I've got no problem with any of the action. I, I do wish they'd start showing us some stuff that we'd we'd never seen before. You know, like you used to get that in Bond films, like, yeah. "Oh, I've never seen that ever." That kind of thing. The I, I, I think personally, I think personally, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I think one of the biggest problems of the crack era was also the action. It always felt that the action had to be more subdued to the character that Daniel Craig played. And I think it would have been better if it had more uh, riveting uh, um, trend-setting action sequences with more danger, originality. Yeah. Like I see, for instance, with these GoPro action movies, you know, when people are flying through uh, snowy mountains with these these constructions yeah. on their back, and, and or cycle or skiing, like like danger skiing from cliffs, that kind of yeah. stuff. But I heard also the stunt producers, the, the stuntmen of this film saying last year as well, the stunts are not the most important thing uh, for James Bond film. Almost like they have been told that it is like that. Yeah. Oh, for fuck it, it is. <laughs> I mean, stunts yeah, are... Yes, I mean, yes. uh, lately I've been watching now... Look, with Skyfall and Casino Royale, I liked it that the action was at the least for the great, bigger part uh, a bit more subdued and then at the start of Casino Royale you had this yeah. this this uh, running free running and I loved also the the action running inside the metro tube in uh, Skyfall yeah. that's original Stuff and it's we new we haven't seen before yeah. but yeah. But apart from that in No Time to Die we've got a car chase in the pre-title sequence We've got uh, a car chase in, in SUVs in uh, Scottish landscape, and that's it. And I mean, if you watch the recent three Mission Impossible movies, those give you so much more. When I saw Fallout in cinema, the Halo oh. sequence, my God, my heart was pumping. It was so well yeah. edited. That was yeah, wonderful. Was, yeah. but, so but Daniel Craig is also saying, I don't want to ski. I don't want to do this. Okay, then. Oh, okay, we listen to you. Yeah, 
It should not how it should work. I think again, Gert is you know was intended as a positive voice for for this <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> I should actually, you know, I made three, I, I put three and a half stars, but I will leave it like now. I don't want to change it for now. Hi, this is Andreas Wisniewski, and you're listening to Really 007. Comparing it with Mission Impossible 2, which has some incredible stunts, and Hans Zimmer providing the score. So what what more do you want? You know, we could, we could have had that. But I think Zimmer did well with the music for what he was had in front of him. It's just there was no... I do think the action was, was decent. It was better than... It felt more Bondian than anything probably since Sky... Well, Skyfall, yeah. <laughs> Spectre's... The action is the weakest part, I think, isn't it? Well, no, the story is. Um, <laughs> but still, still Craig's but, yeah. best. Still Craig's best. Yeah, that, it's so weird, isn't it? Because <laughs> all all I, of these films, I do. Even though we complain about them an awful lot, not not Cinereal, you know, that is a very well made film. But but come on, Tom, think, Tom, sorry for interrupting you. No, no, you, go for it. You have. Uh, I saw your top ten, and everything after Goldeneye doesn't end end in your top ten. So my question for you is. Are you because I think Skyfall is a very I'm good an old film, man. <laughs> but but I think you you utterly despise it, no? No, no, I don't. Oh, okay, it. no, no, no. No, that's me. I, that's me. I, I, think, <laughs> well, I think it's not. Yeah, I struggle with it because why do you it, struggle? Yeah, there's, there's so much good in it, but it's just I don't know. It all the Craig films for me are better than the sum of their parts. There's so many things I disagree with. There's so many things I'd change. Yet I still get a lot of good experience after watching each one. I've never been I've never been bored. Even Inspector, I promise you, I've never been bored watching them. And I always f- see new things in them. Partly because they're really long. But, <laughs> but, but Quantum, I, yeah, I but Quantum's massively, massively gone up in my estimation. If you put aside the binning thing, which is really uh, disagreeable. I do think there's a lot of decent stuff in there. I, I quite like that as a one-off film. It's like I think George said it on Cinema Savage. It's like a bonus level you've unloaded of some <laughs> bonus content. If you just treat it as that and not not another Bond film, not, you know, it's I a Bond film. Treat it like an extra feature on a DVD. <laughs> oh my god, Tom! It's only two years after so that was too quick, wasn't it? You know. I I I have to say though, and I think we need to be honest to ourselves as well. Because we are all saying nice things about, oh, I love all the Bond films. Well, I was talking with Christopher. He he shot off Spectre after one hour. I have to say, I I have the same thing with uh, with, uh, uh, Die Another Day. I can watch the first half and then I I shut it off. (laughs) You're missing out, Gary. Well, no, but I think there are, are Bond films. We should not do nice because it's bond yeah there are some very from a personal perspective there are always films in the bond franchise that are just gross bad (laughs) shit and you need to be honest about (laughs) that if you if you feel like that say it i mean oh yeah yeah i I think we 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 obviously uh, as on the podcast we get into quite a bit of sticky situations because we 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 have not you know I don't think as a collective Craig's our our guy you know um, but I saw it. <laughs> well, I enjoy your podcast so got much. Guy Fall and Casino in his top ten. 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. John sort of is our guy who makes us slightly more reasonable, doesn't he? John, uh, yeah, John's top ten is a bit more uh, more spread out over there. Yeah, balanced. Uh, yeah. I mean, for 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 you, Tom Bond stops after Goldeneye. That's clear. I think it just sounds awful, but <laughs> no, I, I possibly think each one gets worse after Goldeneye, <laughs> but not but not massively worse, like. Tomorrow Never Dies, okay, maybe World's Not Enough is better than Tomorrow Never Dies, maybe. But I love them both. Down of the Day, I like way more than the average Bond fan. And I, re- I watched it again recently, and those three, after Goldeneye, much of a muchness for me. I really like them all. If you go in with the right, you know, in the right frame of mind and everything, and there's loads of nonsense in that film. Of course there is. It's a load of rubbish in, in, in creative respects. Of course it is, but I still enjoy it. And then Casino Royale is the best Craig film. So that means we're still going down. We're still going down. <laughs> and I don't know. This is why I thought if I could just, if No Time Today had just stopped that gradual descent, and it had done like Rob said, it really had. And I was thinking, yes, this is more like it. This is what we want. And it's the story choices. I can't get over them, unfortunately. So no matter how many times we keep being told, you must see it again, you must see it again. It only improves the action. It only improves the flow of the film. Or it also worsens a film. But yeah, it could. Yeah, because you, <laughs> I mean, I, I have that. I have that with Dying on the Day. I watched it when I was younger more often, and then I skipped the 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 last thirty minutes, and then I skipped more and then more and more. It's like <laughs> either you like a movie or not, you know. Yeah, even re-watching sometimes, uh, it can help, can sink in certain, certain things, but it can also not help, you know? Uh, yeah. So, Shayla, what did you think, yes, what was the point where you thought, all oh, right, he is going to die? And did you, did you go into it thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard the odd rumor, but never really actually thought that they would do it? Oh, no, I knew he was dying. Uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was dying one, and I knew he was gonna have a kid too. Like I just, I could just, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because like it, uh, I, I, it's just, I don't know. I just really felt it. So it wasn't, yeah, no, it wasn't a shock for me. My first thoughts coming out of the film, though, I was like, I had the time of my life. Like I remember gushing with my, like talking to my mom, being like, oh my gosh, and he did this, and he did this. Like I, I, I really did love it. But I do find though uh-huh. with the Craig era. <laughs> I, I enjoy the films on my first watch besides Casino Royale because I always enjoy that. Um, but like keep those keep those first watches because uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's because important, with so watch them again. Well, because with Spectre, I remember going to the theater being like, "Hey, that was a that was a decent Bond film," and then rewatching it, I'm like, "It's absolutely garbage." <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's all. What was the reception of it like amongst Bond fans? Because we weren't really in the Bond Twitter world and all that. What when it first came out was everyone like. Oh yeah, you must watch it again. And you, you know, you really need to see it again. Or I don't even really remember because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't in the Bond world either. Like I just, I found the Bond world during the pandemic. So, like in 2015, oh, I don't even. In, <laughs> in 2015, what sort of we <laughs> I don't know. What, like in 2015, I guess I like I just had one, I have one friend here that loves Bond. Well, now I've got two because I've got my friend Tiffany who I'm making her watch all the movies. But my one friend, Ryan, he's like my one Bond fan. So we just went together. We got some Vesper martinis beforehand. I was so excited because I was expecting to see like a tactile neck because the poster with with Craig looking like a throwback to Live and Let Die. And then that never happened. 
I don't know, like with Spectre, I just, <laughs> I had a really good time. And then when I watched How it again, I was like, this is all crumbling in front of my eyes. I, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I thought it. you loved this film. I, I, your first tweet afterwards was like, I loved it or something. Oh, no, No Time to Die, well, yes. Really 100%. I, oh, sorry, that was Spectre. No, sorry, I'm sorry, I was talking about Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, definitely, I actually, I don't think I tweeted after Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> But Spectre, really, personally, when I saw Spectre the first time, it, I loved it. I think it's probably my best experience from the crack era after first watch because it had so much of the more traditional Bond tropes. And yeah, yeah. usually during, uh, during a movie, during a first watch, I don't get the story as well as after second watch. It, yeah, it, sure. it, it, it goes on, the scenes are typical Bond-esque, so I don't take that into account yet. And, and when I saw it uh, during the first watch, I loved the reimagined Spectre sequence in Rome. It was totally lovely when Hinks uh, spooned out uh, an eye with his uh, steel-tipped uh, <laughs> uh, nails. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and I, I loved uh, the introduction of the white pussycat. I'm a big fan of Blofeld and Spectre. You know so I was like, oh, my God, pussycat is back. You know, and um, there and, and the, the train sequence, the train sequence in in the, in the Moroccan desert is just wonderful. It's the best fight scene since, I think, the From Russia with Love uh, train sequence. It's totally awesome. You see... You see Bond even squirming, you know. You know, it's yeah, lovely yeah. to see Daniel Craig <laughs> in so much trouble. Well, he died anyway, but he could have died there as well. So, and then also... Them. There's a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, the uh, um, the lair of uh, Blofeld in the Moroccan desert, yeah. the, the road when they being picked up with the Rolls Royce, that was yeah. so much nice. Like it cool. felt like Dr. No almost yeah. like, yeah. and then, and, and, and oh, I, I loved it. So Spectre for me, it has a uh, story inconsistencies a lot, <laughs> but they didn't matter for me because for me, Daniel Craig was playing the most humorous bond in that film. It had, he had the least complications with regard to other emotional leading yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe Spectre in hindsight could be the movie for me that, that in the future becomes more and more popular. You're talking I, me around on it now. Honestly. I, I, I want to watch it again. This is it. I watched <laughs> all four before No Time to Die, and, and Spectre was the one that sat, sat up to me and was like, Rob, this is your favorite of this lot. So it is. It is a hundred percent. It is my favourite of of the Craig era, and it's because of just exactly what you say. So if you said to me tonight, Rob, you've got to watch a recent Bond film, I'd pick Spectre. I would. Wow, well, there you go. There I you would. Go. Wow. Doesn't I, die at the end. So considering I was just too much, isn't it? There's too. I can't. It is heavy. Well, no, I, I, yeah, there's, there's, I just it's. What I will always remember of Casino Royale is when I was in the cinema, and this very brutal thuggish Bond. It was, was here. not James Bond. That was. And I was like, "What is this? <laughs> my childhood? Yeah. What is yeah. going on here?" And he was in the in the shower, going, "You know, um, oh, sucking fingers." And I'm like, "What the hell?" 
What is this? <laughs> not, this, is not, this is not that sophisticated super spy. What's going on here? He was a blunt instrument there. No, he would become... Is no, it? he's just he's being very rude to everybody. He was in his 30s. <laughs> he? He in his 30s. But, <laughs> but that moment, that sucking finger moment in Casino Royale, <laughs> <laughs> yes, put it like that. But really, take for example the romantic love scene that was done by Peter Hunt in Honor Majesties, the the proposal sequence. Yeah. That had so much Hollywood flair. It felt so much more pure. And then even after the proposal, when James Bond puts the stick, it's not New Year yet. Yeah. This kind of stuff, you know. (laughs) I want to to say, Daniel Craig, well... Shall I now put your finger in my ass? Something like that. <laughs> this is another X-rated episode. I know, it really is. Really got but like, I don't, for me, the, the finger thing was like, um, he's seen... Um, he's seen... Yeah, it was like, right, um, there's Vesper. Oh, dear. For me, it's like, right, we have an absolute caveman here. <laughs> oh, lady have brain boo-boo. Oh, what do, what do fingers must suck for? Make brain boo-boo better. It just, it was, it was absolutely insane. And then you've got like, so we're, we're assuming he's moved on a bit. So then in Quantum of Solace, he says uh, to <laughs> Strawberry Fields, like, uh, uh, and he's like in his head, like must get lady into bedroom. Could you help me find the stationery? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a sophisticated super smoothie. <laughs> Roger uh, Moore, the same character. Yeah. No, it just yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's. <gasps> I th- you know, I I think actually the problem with Spectre was because also because of the Sony leaks, it all got out, and all Bond fans, oh, this is a shit movie, and it stayed in their heads. <laughs> but I think the scene after Hinks is being thrown out and says shit, and then what are we doing now? And having sex. Wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. That's, That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. You've survived an amazing like life or death moment. This is yeah. it. Forever Megan. Let's do this. Come on. I'm That's shocked it. he should though. Because you know, he got that, thrown around that, a lot. So I'm shocked that he even had the stamina. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You all, you imagine, are, are you too tired? Are you too tired, Jay? Seriously, like, take a second, you almost got your head beat in. Like, it's okay, we don't yeah, have yeah. to do it right now. Like, but no, there's That just... was more... <laughs> I would have been fine with that normally. That's more like the old Bond. Like, you don't you don't need any emotional connection. They just get get to it. Mm. Get because... laid, get laid. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Attack a girl. Yeah, like that's why I love me on the I'm sorry for saying it, because no. I, I'm openly gay myself. But, yeah. but I think this in part what defines Bond a little bit. And, yes. and, and you know, this sequence in, 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 in Skyfall, uh, I mentioned it earlier, when, uh, when uh, Bond is, is spying on Severine on her sailing boat, and then you, you, she's is completely scared because she first thinks it's probably Silva. Oh, no, yeah. it's Bond. Oh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> wonderful. That's typical Bond. It is, it is. Yeah, it's a bit dodgy, though, Gert, to be fair, isn't it? You know, he did, but, but, but look, Roger Moore did the same in The Man with the Golden Gun. He just sneaked in the, in, in the shower. and uh, crystal. <laughs> but they weren't trying to be progressive at that time. Now they're so progressive. And well, we hired Monica Bellucci. She's an older lady. Yay. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, the, well, it's unbelievably though. ghastly. 
what goes oh, on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unbelievably yeah. ghastly. Progressive does not mean the same character would now act differently. It, it just yeah, means the right. way you, the way you right. present the scene is progressive. So. But, I mean, if... If, to, to talk about um, a progressive relationship, a platonic relationship, they absolutely got this right in No Time to Die. Yes, with Paloma and Nomi. Absolutely, that's how you do it. You know, if you if you if you want to, you know, I was amazed when they were saying like, "Yes, we're the we're the emotional grown up bond," and and in Skyfall, he's like forcing himself on sex trafficking survivors. <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't emotional grown up stuff. This is not. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> now, here, one of the things that, uh, and from a character perspective, we were talking about this recently, Tom, weren't we? About how uh, uh, all this non-sufficient, the world is not enough, oh. you know. And for me, that that is Bond's whole take on life. He loves yeah. fine food. He loves fine wine. He was, you know, he's an expert in all sorts of stuff. He lives life to the absolute fullest. He's got massive appetites for all sorts of stuff, and. <laughs> world is not enough fits as a as an overall motto a motif for him as a character yeah you wouldn't say that about this current incarnation of bond if anything the world's too much but <laughs> <Bad> enough <laughs> right in, too much. Right in. i can't be doing with all this too much <laughs> or oh, orbis too i'll much. just die orbis <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Ah. so he's, he's like he can't so it's two different characters for me yeah, a man that enjoyed everything life had to offer versus a everything man who just couldn't be bothered, didn't want to be involved with any of this stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's maybe also the fact that uh, you start a franchise with uh, quite uh, quite the novel, you know, but uh, Casino Royale it it ends with Vesper's death, but that also defines him later on as the character that we all love, you know? He becomes yeah. more cold-hearted. He yeah. becomes more flimsy with the girls. He, uh, but, but still, even, you know, and, and we, we, we talk a bit negative about uh, the constant uh, backgrounds about uh, characters like Madeline. But I read the novel Dr. No recently, and there's a lot of background analysis on Honey Rider, in there about what she went uh, go, go through as a kid and, and she got raped and she uh, a lot of ghastly stuff and basically you can say that Fleming like element they got it also in the Daniel Craig era of Bond films but yeah I don't don't it's disagree the, with that at all it's the mixing of tones though like I said the you said you loved it Gert when they've just had a fight with Hinks and then oh let's go to bed. <laughs> That that's fine, but then the next scene, I love you, James. Oh, I love you. I love you. Like what? That's the that's the thing that sticks out. Not the oh, they've only just started. They've started kissing. That that they, was more. Yeah, fun. I think it's also the way it was written. I think. Yeah. I think they should not Reverse have put. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My favorite. They are back. Don't worry. Take it off your list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but just People leave out to. leave out the I love you. You know, like yes. like make some lines. Oh, but now you like me. Yeah. Uh, oh, be easy, Mr. Bond. And then at the end, uh, <laughs> I'd, love like I'd love to see Bond getting a slap wrist, like, don't get attacked yeah. now. <laughs> <Go> easy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but he got hit in the face, Inspector, no? Like, 
I yeah. like that when yeah. Monica Bellucci did that. That was wonderful. Oh yes. Oh she yeah. I would do that too if I were her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a lack of screen time. That was a fandom. That was the fandom <laughs> stuff in them. Just going back to No Time to Die then. Yes, Shayla. So you you'll see it on Blu-ray perhaps then when it comes out next. And because when I saw it for the first time, it, there's too much going on for me to process. There's so much going on. And it's a long film. So I can buy the whole, you need to see it twice, just to, so you next time you watch it, when you know what's going to happen, you can relax. I relaxed a bit more and enjoyed it in that sense more. Do you think you'll be able to do that with knowing everything that happens? Do you think you'll be able to sort of not get annoyed or? I think, I think I'll be good. I do think that maybe, uh, I do think that the more I watch it, the less I'm going to like it. Like, I think I'll still always like, <laughs> The main stuff, like I'll love Paloma. I I love a lot of aspects of it, but I I just I have a feeling that it might sort of go down a little bit in the star ra- ranking that I currently have for it. Oh, have you done a? Where, oh, heck, yeah, I gave it, it four out of five. Sorry, I gave it four out of five stars. Oh wow, right, okay. Yeah. Well, well stay, stick to that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think for higher than good. I think personally, the first watch, uh, it, I was taken aback because I didn't expect James Bond to die. And you, Shayla, were a bit more prepared for that. But the second time, the emotions felt better. So my second watch was my favorite. And then then despite everything, I gave it, uh, just like Spectre, I gave it three and a half stars out of five. And oh. I have Skyfall still with five out of five stars and Casino Royale with four and a half stars out of five. And I have Quantum of Solace now with two or two and a half stars. Ooh, struggling. I don't, I don't know how I would do So it's your joint, what, third best then? Yeah, I think yeah. now... I think it. Uh, I, w- I really want to see it now on uh, on my uh, on Ultra HD uh, Blu-ray because yeah. I'm also a big fan of of uh, and Sheila knows that as well. The the main title sequence. I I can talk about that for ages. I. I well, let's adored. talk about it. We didn't, really, we didn't really mention that in our last episode, actually. It, uh, it starts with the dot to know, doesn't it? The sort of yeah. The, the and and I, I actually have a question for for you, Tom and Rob, because no. if you look at the themes of 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 the main titles, they are really about the destruction of the United Kingdom. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, is it? Oh, right. Do you think it's like a sort of uh, just look at just look at all the themes? The Union Jack uh, uh, coat of arms yeah. falls down. <laughs> the Bond, Bond is exploding. His statue is exploding of Bond. There's a lot of references referring to the death of Bond, and in hindsight, also uh, uh, the God of Heracles, and also the United Kingdom. Yeah, for me, it all added to the spoilers for me that oh, this he's going to die. You know, it all really? made me yeah. think. Yeah, all the imagery yeah. checks out here. It's all got that end of an era, uh, the crumbling of an empire. Yeah, we're sliding <laughs> no. towards oblivion here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it didn't. Uh, but but I, again, I I really like um, Eilish's theme song. So I really like it. Um, and I'm also I'm Tomorrow Never Dies Cheryl Crow defender as well. So I love that song so <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah. Rob, I think you would not like it maybe, but this um, Tom Mason cut and Tom Mason deleted the song from Cheryl Crow and put Surrender. 
put a song yeah. of uh, Katie Lang in it. In that, that, is, that is absolutely that, that, that. You can't. <laughs> is he, what's, do you know what he's going to put in the end credits then? Just the same song again? Or? No, I, I watched it. I actually, I really loved the, the cut. It was a total different experience, but the <laughs> ending is uh, with just a James Bond team, like in the world. How's he done? Oh, so right. Tom Mason has, has recut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Student. Yeah, and he put also the deleted scenes in the right place and oh. added, uh, uh, touched them up. So wow. the movie is also a little bit longer. That's, That's so incredible. Good. He's oh, so he's so fucking talented. That is yeah. Where can we see this? You can ask him, and uh, and then you can download it from him. I have downloaded it now, and I probably maybe later I'm going to watch it uh, in full on my my uh, OLED TV because I I want to witness <laughs> it that way. Yeah. yeah, might ask him whether he'll put Show Pro back in. <laughs> how talented are these people? These incredible people in the Bond world doing things like this. Some Rogers as well. Love it. He's editing and all. Uh, some people, like I, I know some people from the Bond fan community, like Marcos Conce, for instance. He really went. Uh, he quit his career in journalism. He went full time into uh, movie uh, directing. He's uh, really moving up in the television film world in Brazil. And and I think Tom Mason is also studying uh, film or whatever. If you are so fanatical of, uh, like Tom Mason and Marcos Conce, you get there, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You make your own uh, avenues. You open your own doors, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, Rob, I've, I've never, I don't know whether I've ever spoken to you about the Billy Eilish song. Yeah, I really like it. I really I do. love it. Yeah, I just, I like, uh, and this is why I really liked um, Tomorrow Never Dies as well, because in my heart, they feel like companion pieces almost, classy, low-key and moody. You know, like um, you'd walk into a bar somewhere, you know, like an upmarket bar, and in the corner would be a singer and and a piano, possibly, and that would be it, and that would set the tone, and immediately I'm like, this is cool and underground and achingly aching with texture you know like i always yeah. felt like that there was atmosphere associated with these songs i really really liked but i really like both of them but i love I I think the bond, voice fits the bond yeah. world as well yeah. Yeah. i think i think billy eilish is a bit she recalls uh, she reminds me a bit of uh, nancy sinatra in the sense yes. that she was yes. also a very young pop star uh, especially compared to shirley bassey at the time she was very young very naive she really was also in 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 her prime of of uh, pop music and in that sense it reminds me a bit of Billie Eilish as well and the song the song is so delicate but in a good way personally i i, I love jazz music and soul and especially down tempo music and this fits for me also very high together with songs like you only live twice for instance even moonraker uh, oh. by Hal David in part and oh, also a song like All Time High I, uh, I, I, I love it for, for, for the distinct toned down atmosphere of, the, of it you yeah. know? And, and I think it was very suitable the, the song from Billie Eilish for this particular movie as well I agree and I love the motifs that kept um, reappearing throughout the soundtrack as well. Yes, yeah. Um, I always, That's the first you know, time we've heard that. Oh yeah, I always love yeah. that kind of thing. The little callbacks to the original theme because it gives it gives the Bond movie its own identity for me. 
you know, when you have that playing throughout certain, yeah. and, and if, if you've got that lovely, you know, you can have a bombastic version of that theme, yeah. but also a quieter, more sympathetic, melancholy version of the theme. I always love that like kind of stuff. the voices, stuff. didn't they, at the end there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Earth <laughs> I thought you were about to do Earth yeah. song by Michael Well, yeah, Jackson. well, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> the writing on the wall is... <laughs> Are you guys doing uh, karaoke every now and then? <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, I don't think we've had done it. No, you're not, Taylor. No, no. We did it in China, haven't we? No? In the shower, we, maybe. We did it in China with our friend Ian. Oh, ah, we did, yeah, we did. Yeah. They have like they have like skyscrapers with hundreds and hundreds of rooms where people just go. They're obsessed with it. Obviously, well. Massive night <laughs> out to the karaoke. It, it's just it's just hilarious. And yeah, I think in fact, I think I might have done. I might have done nobody does it better. <laughs> yeah. Finding that footage would be. Yeah. Really I remember Lizzie the Dirty Downer, which was good. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I once uh, sang uh, Live and Let Die in a karaoke bar. Oh, it, uh, it was very well uh, received. So. Oh, oh, good. <laughs> nice. If you want to record a jingle, anytime, please. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you record it? Did you sing it like uh, the way it's sung in the in the bar in the Fillet of Soul? Did you sing it like that? More like a <laughs> I'm going to slap you your face soon, uh, Tom. You know what, sir? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, I, I sang it like Paul McCartney did, not like. Oh, uh, really? Um, what was it? What's the, what was BJ the name Arnold. of the singer? Uh, BJ Arnau. Yeah. Yeah. Love both. It's yeah. A good yeah. song is a good song in every, any different guys. But I, uh, I actually, uh, I'm such a big nerd with James Bond music. I have the most extensive soundtrack Bond song collections, the film versions, and also I've got the full version of BGR Now's Live Let Die. Oh, it's a wonderful oh, wow. song. I, I have unreleased tracks and I, I re-edit them chronologically. Even the, um, the opening song in the pre-title sequence by Dalida. Oh, I oh, yeah. love that song. And it is played in a Bond film. It's almost like a Bond song itself, a French chanson. Yeah. And I have it now ordered in the right order with the other tracks. And I'm really too nerdy for that. So, well, can, That got... makes me think, of, uh, want to ask a question, actually, of, of everyone here. Is, is there another song out there that you think is like a lost Bond song? Oof. I have here, yeah. Actually, uh, I don't know uh, about you, but uh, but I have uh, I have a whole collection of what is that? What did I name it? Um, Bond lookalikes songs inspired oh. by Bond, and I have I have almost. Let me see how many are there. I've got like almost hundred twenty five. Oh wow! Whoa. So quite it's a bit here, to go on. <laughs> so if you need any anything, ask me. <laughs> wow. I've got one, Rob, that is so sad. It's <laughs> what a is it? Gary Barlow album track. Yeah. <laughs> Gary from Barlow? Like, Are you yeah, yeah. dead? Honestly, honestly, this sounds ridiculous. From like his early solo years called Lie to Me. Honestly, it's the most bomb thing you've ever heard. It's, oh, it's so epic. And yeah, it's really good. I, re- I, reckon, I know everyone will laugh at me. I'll people crying laughing now. <laughs> you, I'll, put it, I'll put it out there. I'll send it. Uh, right, come yeah, on, do it. Show me the way we'll never be. And the tenderness that I'll never see. Hey!
What about you, Shayla? Does anything spring to mind for you? Yes, actually, um, there is a song called 25 by um, The Pretty Reckless. And I just think that that is such a, it's got such a Bondian vibe. And she even mentions Shatterhand. So I actually wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder if it was like maybe supposed to be a theme. My other one, I think, was actually like a rejected theme. It's Supremacy by Muse. I th- I cannot believe they didn't use it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I cannot believe they didn't use yeah. that one. For me, um, I've just, I've literally, I've just gone and uh, added these to a playlist. There you go. Get <laughs> there, Tom, straight away. <laughs> Lie to me. Okay. Lie yeah. to me. Um, yeah. I think, um, do you remember uh, Jordan Knight, who was the lead singer of... Oh, um, yes. <laughs> lead singer of, yeah, New Kids on the Vlog. On his 1999 solo album, oh, "Change no. My Ways," was absolutely yeah, I was going to say, Rob. Yeah. Honestly, it's so it's got everything. I, I it's think brilliant that song. Yeah, yeah, it's such the a good, beat as such well. a good song. Yeah, incredible. Like, but it would have fit that late 90s Brosnan era as well. Yeah, it would. Usually. It would. Yeah, it's all but not quite drum and bass. It's a bit more R&B. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening also to the daughter of Bob Geldof, Pixie Geldof. Oh yeah, and she uh, she actually has a, a a recent album, her debut album. There are a few songs like Poison Apple and So Strong, and they remind me a bit of the singer from uh, Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon. There are also some other songs like uh, Lana Del Rey, for instance. Jonathan Jeremiah, I think he has a wonderful voice that could be wonderful for oh. a future Bond song. Much better than Sam Smith's falsetto. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> he gets such a bad... <laughs> I think at least it's funny, isn't it? It's a funny performance. It's, uh, my, now, speaking of karaoke, my brother did that at karaoke. And, um, <laughs> he really went for it as well. Um, <laughs> and... Um, oh, he hit the falsetto notes and everything. So it was um, oh, very, very funny. Made the song so funny song. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard to do. People <laughs> 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 hate it, don't they? It, it's trying so hard to be a Bond song that it sounds so overdone. And, oh, yeah. You know, well, and the fact, that he, said, <laughs> the fact that he said he wrote it in 10 minutes or whatever. He's, like, that was not yeah. hard. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't, don't, say, don't that. say that if you're trying to impress people. Like, actually, <laughs> actually, I think the best non-Bond song that, that is really close to almost being a Bond song is uh, Shirley Bessie's uh, song The Liquidator from the movie. Have you heard that? No, no. I'm going to add that to this little, oh, little that's list. That's going wonder, it, it's, 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 by, um, it's composed by Lalo Schifrin. And oh, it's wow, a okay. wonderful, okay. It, it's from 1966. And if you listen to it, it's like, whoa, it's amazing. Right, and that's been added to my list.
big love to to you both and um thanks so much for everything all the love so in the world take care you. of yourselves <laughs> really good to see you really the best. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.